0: You are listening to the Tour des Flaneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 8, today we are in Le Grand Bornand.
1: And what did you hear, my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? Heard the sound of a thunder, roared out a warning Heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world Heard 100 drummers whose hands were ablazing. Heard 10,000 whispering and nobody listening Heard one person starve, I've heard many people laughing. Heard the sound of a poet who died in the gutter. Heard the sound of a clown who cried in the alley. And it's a harm,
2: and it's a harm, it's a harm, it's, it's a harm, it's, it's a harm train's
1: gonna, gonna fall
3: that was absolutely tremendous played in tonight by kate wagner and francois thomaso thank
4: you
2: beautiful i must say this is definitely one of the best dylan tunes
3: (laughs) (laughs) there we are there we have it there we have it you're wondering about uh the the reason the reasoning behind that the rationale behind opening with the hard rain gonna fall um, that is, in Francois's view, one of the best Dylan tunes, <laughs> yep, so and good. it was an appropriate song for today because a hard rain was a falling today, wasn't it? Um, and, uh, and
4: and Dylan tunes won the stage.
3: He did. How long can we stretch this out for? I think probably the whole episode. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, well, f- another fast, enthralling day's racing. Where are we, Francois?
2: Well now we're in La Clusaz which is a uh, quite a famous ski resort not far from le Grand Bornand it's actually we're really next door to le Grand Bornand and it's, it's 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 famous here well actually more famous for nordic skiing originally than it was for uh, alpine skiing even though that well all these places where we are going there's always famous alpine skiers but you don't know anything about alpine skiing and you don't care I so do <laughs> I I love skiing Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so there, there was a couple of famous... Uh, Le Grand Bornand, the, f- the famous uh, skier is Tessa Worley, who is French, so from you know, Australian origins. Uh, she was world, world, world champion of giant slalom. And, um, and uh, in, in La Cluysin, the two most famous uh, skiers from La Cluzin, uh, the, the most famous one is Edgar Gropion. He was the first ever Olympic champion for Moguls. You know, these the, the strange... Going down the slopes, uh, uh, you know, on bumps and and stuff. Uh, he was a you know very outspoken character and a, and a, and, a, and a you know very exuberant character. And the other alpine skier well known was Régine Cavaniou, She was world champion of super G in 2000 in Austria, and she sadly died in training uh, well the same year. Uh, she actually you know she was skiing down the slope and a guy was was there on the slope as well uh looking after the slope there was a collision and she sadly lost her life so yeah you know we're we're in that in the land of drama in the land of skiers in the land of high mountains in a land of changing weather and that was the case again today
3: quite a change wasn't it today driving well we've covered a lot of ground the last couple of days and Kate, of course, this is your first Tour to France, and we we very much drove into the mountains, didn't we? And you were quite bowled over, I think, by the just the the change in the in the terrain and the in the countryside around us.
4: You know, I've been to the Alps one be- once before. My family did a week in of Brunnen uh, in twenty seventeen. Uh, it's the first time I'd ever seen mountains this huge. You know, in the U.S., we have mountains, but they're nothing like this. Um. And every time I'm here, well, I guess this is the second time, but every time I'm here, I think about the English philosopher Edmund Burke, who is, you know, a reactionary or whatever. But he coined the term the sublime to describe specifically these situations which arouse in people this sense of pain and danger, but also like the vastness of it, which is so incomprehensible. And I think about that every time I look at the Alps because the vastness of it is unbelievable. And, you know, watching the terrain change, watching it go from rolling foothills, sweeping up into these massive cliffs and massive walls of stone it's a really abrupt change and it's almost like being caught in the current of a wave
3: Kate, okay, you were conducting yourself there. that was a bit like having Chiru on the podcast for a moment there the the hand movements moving the microphone all the way around but you were uh describing or with your hands the the mountains and really we're we're well day two in the alps tomorrow and we're in the the real alps tomorrow perhaps these are these feel almost like like foothills in a way um it was it was the type of stage today category one mountains where um it was a short stage and after yesterday yesterday's kind of um all-out action uh, we were perhaps being greedy to expect another very exciting stage but that's what we got with very aggressive racing from the gun stage eight from oyanax to le grand bournon 150 kilometers which is a short stage um three first category climbs on the menu today Um, would the riders be stumbling on the side of the 12 Misty Mountains I'm not sure if there were 12 but there were other mountains as well there were a few crashes Mike Woods overshot a corner Jonas Vingegaard was very badly cut up in a crash Miguel Angel Lopez crashed today as well Stefan de Bon had a a bad one uh, the Astana rider he finished 30 minutes down. So it was dangerous with the hard rain of falling as it was. Wild Poles was the first attacker as they went uphill from the gun. He was obviously determined to be in the breakaway. Obviously, his teammate, Matai Morahic, uh, won the previous day. Lots of big riders were in trouble very early. Geraint Thomas, very early to slip out the back. Then Primoz Roglic and Pierre Latour, the curse of François Thomaso, Because, <laughs> François, you spoke to him last night. Absolutely. When he was last night, he was having a very good tour. Tonight, not so much. Um, Roglic was on his own for a lot of the time, uh, which is, on the one hand, surprising to see a rider like that—you know, one of the real hot favourites coming into this race—being abandoned by his team. But not surprising either, because they had Watt Van Aert going for the yellow jersey today and Jonas Vingegaard, uh, Vingegaard protecting his uh, GC position. But he cut a forlorn figure, didn't he? Uh, Roglic. He looked like he'd stepped in the middle of seven sad forests, been out in front of a de- dozen dead oceans, been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard. It was a fast, frantic start to the stage. Sonny Colbrelli was very aggressive. He won the intermediate sprint in front of Michael Matthews, gaining a few points in the green jersey competition. 50 kilometres into the stage, a group of 20 went clear. It had Tadej uh, Pogacar in it, but not Richard Carapaz, who looked dangerous yesterday, and nor um, Matthew van der Poel, whose team is staying just up the road from us 100 metres or so in a hotel in the village here the way that van der Poel rode today uh, he was resigned to losing the, the jersey there wasn't too much of a defence from him and he did lose the jersey while Poles had another go uh, Van Art, very much in the hunt for the yellow jersey he joined a little move with our very own Connor Swift of the Cycling Podcast finally the break formed the big break of the day 18 riders were in it some Good, good, uh, good writers too. Sepp Kuss, Jonathan Castroviejo, Michael Woods, fancied writer for today, Kenny Ellison, Alejandro Valverde, Mattia Catano, who was very strong and very impressive today, Guillaume Martin, Nairo Quintana, Soren Crow-Anderson, Nance Petters, Tesh Benoet, Dylan Toons, Chris Jensen, Simon Yates again, Yoni Zagiri and Sergio Hinao. I've not even named all of them, but almost. Um... At one point Valverde sat up and that caused a bit of confusion but he was freezing cold and apparently shaking by the time he went back to the bunch. Uh, Watt Poles was scooping up mountain points on his way to taking over the lead in the King of the Mountains competition. Soren Anderson and Teish Benoote got away together. Crandeson was inching closer to the yellow jersey. He at one point was very close to being virtual yellow jersey but uh, that eluded him in the end. He dropped Benoote then Michael Woods bridged across and dropped Kray Anderson on the Col du um, And behind, where had he been, our blue-eyed son? He saw a highway of diamonds with nobody on it and attacked Tadej Pogacar, that is, with 33 kilometers to go. Richard Carapaz, very quick to respond, got up to him, but made a big effort in doing so. Pog went again, Carapaz was gone, and that was the race over. For every, and it's, It might be the race over, who knows? For everyone else, for the race, it was the sound of a thunder that roared out a warning, the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world. <laughs> Pog was 3.40 down on Woods at the top of the climb and a minute clear of Carapaz. But on the La Colombiere, the final climb, Toons caught and then dropped Woods, perhaps surprisingly. Pogachar, meanwhile, closed a three-minute gap on the leaders on the climb. He's crossed the top just 20 seconds behind Toons, but then took it pretty conservatively on the descent and came in with... Um, Michael Woods and Yon Izagiri, who won the sprint for second. So Dylan Toons won the stage. Yon Izagiri was second. I think he won into Morzine a few years ago in very similar weather, didn't he? Cold and, and, and raining at the end of the tour. Mike Woods third. Uh, Pogachar fourth. Wat Poles. Simon Yates. Uh, Parry Panch is sixth. On GC, Pogachar takes over the yellow jersey. Uh, Van Aert now 148 down. Look at the gaps or listen to what these gaps are behind. Lutsenko, 4.38. Uran, 4.46. Vingegaard, Vingegaard, five minutes. Carapaz, five minutes and one second. Mark Hamdish, still in green jersey. Watt Poles now, in the King of the Mountains jersey. And in the Gruppetto, the people were many and their hands were all empty. Ninety riders were there and they finished 35 minutes down.
0: The cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. I'm
5: Elise Chabé and I'm uh, racing for canyons from racing. I was really surprised how the body reacts to, particularly to interval training, because like when you do hard intervals, you really see the glucose level like really peaking quite high and uh... So that means that uh, the body is reacting well to to the effort and is like releasing the the glucose in in the blood and for the muscles. So, yeah, that was actually quite interesting to see that. Like also, when you come back from a long ride or from a from an interval ride, to see that the glucose level is really dropping if you don't eat like a recovery shake or like something just after. So, yeah, we can really see that it's really important to feed just after just after the effort. I was quite surprised, yeah, because we, we trained in altitude now and compared to when I train like in sea level, like uh, I can see that my body needs more like food and needs more like also glucose, like to, to achieve the the good training. So that I I could really see also with the super sapiens to see that, uh, yeah, I need to eat more to have the same glucose level. Yeah, also like for example, in the morning, you also see that when I wake up, I have also a peak like before even... Having breakfast, and that shows that my cortisol level is also working. So yeah, I mean that's also interesting to see that yeah, the almonds have a like high impact on the glucose
3: level. Well, that was Elise Shabby, the Canyon SRAM rider, um, telling us about Super Sapiens. And uh, we're running a competition in conjunction with our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. If you'd like to win three months' worth of the sensors that you wear on your upper arm to measure your blood glucose levels, then send us an audio clip. You can see how to do that at thiscyclingpodcast.com. And we'll hear some more clips that have been sent in over the course of the Tour de France. Elise Shabby, interestingly, is riding the Giro Rosa at the moment, um, the Women's Giro d'Italia and uh, it's funny because I was keeping an eye on this today as well and I think there was uh, quite a lot of resignation around the tour today at the the manner of Tadej Pogacar's performance and the fact that with two weeks to go and after such an exciting opening week it almost seems like the tour might be over Um, at the Giro Anna van der Breggen today won stage 2 by 1 minute 22 and has a very commanding lead overall and in fact there was a 1-2-3 for SD Works there so we're seeing sort of incredible domination there and it happens it does happen from time to time and I guess we want still to have an open race we don't want the race to be over after one week there will be obviously lots of other stories to be written and told lots of stages to be fought for And um, but that was today an amazing performance from Tadej Pogacar and I think it was a response to yesterday where there were questions about his team his team as Mark Hershey told us last night went to sleep missed a big move. It was very clear yesterday that Pogacar for all his strength cannot rely on his team and I think today was him taking matters into his own hands and um, seizing control of the race in a way that he's able to do. His, his coach Inigo San Milan actually tweeted today offensive operations oftentimes is the surest if not the only means of defence George Washington 1799 said that not about the Tour de France because it didn't exist at the time
2: I I thought it was Johan Cruyff you know who said the (laughs) best the best defence is attack but yeah but
3: interesting that that, that, that's what he said because it it was obviously an aggressive act but it was also a defensive act in a way because it it just allows him to get himself in the position he wants to be and his team now has quite a different job to do
2: yeah I mean we're kind of Kind of short uh, of words to describe what uh, Pogachar did. Well, you know, we we already call him Pog all the time. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we were wondering about dynasties uh, starting, and uh, from what we've seen today, uh, we're in for a long, long dynasty of 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 Daddy Pogacar uh, winning the tour. You you never know, of course. I mean, anything as we say, anything can happen. It can crash. Because, but but let's let's face it, is really we had the impression today we, we, we have seen imp, you know impressive moves in the mountains by chris Froome or uh, i mean Merckx or anybody but, it, but that's very rare that you see someone pull away with such ease like like he had another extra gear on his bike that nobody else has and and the way he won the, the, the you know I'm, I'm almost tempted i'm almost tempted to say he won the stage i mean you, you could tell when he went down a very very uh, smoothly and not making any efforts because he'd done his job which was to actually even if he, he said the, the opposite but which was actually to kill the tour and kill the opposition because everything is irrelevant now. He purposely didn't chase for Dylan Toons, he could have won the stage had he wanted to do and we saw the finish he was with Michael Woods, Ionis Zagiri you know they, they both sprinted for what second, third place you know the, 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 the little crumbs you know the, the normal humans go for and and he didn't bother he let them go it, it was not his race anymore and to tonight when when i read statements on my you know on my mail uh, on you know on my email uh, box when i when i read tweets and everything when you see you know, teams saying, "Oh, Sergio now is now 11th, or oh, uh, you know, so and so is doing this <laughs> and that." <laughs> They're like 30 it's minutes irre- down. It's It's absolutely irrelevant. You know, the the the, the now what what next? What, what I'm a little bit worried about. We, we had a, one of the most exciting first weeks of the tour uh, in many for many many years. What's left now? Not much to uh, look for. Uh, I, I'm also worried that you know, with uh, very important uh goals still you know uh, on target for many uh riders like i'm thinking much van der Poel. i'm even sticking thinking of wood van Aert. and i'm thinking of the olympics why should they stay in the race what, what, what's left for them to uh to go for well stage wins of course but uh the the the, the way you know pogacar crushed your position today and if he does the same tomorrow and 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 If if Wood Van Aert with 148 down uh, is dropped again and it's probably going to be the case, what's going to be left of the Tour de France? I mean, well, we have more chateaus, wine, cheese to talk about, but I'm afraid we won't have a lot of cycling. François, the plural of chateau is (laughs) chateau.
4: I mean, I think it's an interesting question. I think part of the reason this, sorry, doesn't suck, but I mean, part of the reason why this is so disappointing is because the Olympics has everyone in its grip. If it weren't for the Olympics, I feel like we'd see like a lot more daring, exciting stuff, but everyone's conserving their energy for that. And so it's like it kind of s- puts a stranglehold on the tour that feels kind of honestly unfair. Uh, and second of all, I think that, you know, I mean, we probably will see a lot of struggles for breakaway wins, things like that. I mean, I still think it could be an exciting tour. Is the GCE battle no longer exciting? Certainly. But again, anything can happen. I mean, the thing also about dynasties is that with... I mean it's interesting to me because part of the reason we have such a bad taste in our mouth about dynasties is because the last one we lived through was Chris Froome and the Froome dynasty is like rather different than like say like the Merckx dynasty for example or like I don't know maybe Indurain but really like Team Sky and like and, you know Postal Service before that it was it, they did the same thing every race control the race Ride in a train, make sure I mean and that what that's what made it boring. But what's interesting about Pagacha and what's interesting about UAE is that they don't have that power. Pagacha's win today was entirely almost entirely on his own and an entirely like individual triumph. And so when it when it comes to defending that, his team is not gonna be able to do what like an Ineos would do or like what a Yumbo Visma would be able to do if they weren't, you know, all maimed or whatever. And so it's interesting to ask, like, you know, of course we're going to now have an arms race where they get more and more powerful and more and more, you know, substantial domestiques to help him out. And it's going to maybe become like this sky train again. But for the time being, it really is kind of like cowboy cycling. And that's exciting.
3: That's an alternative uh, take on it. I mean, we, 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 hope for the, we hope for something, don't we? I mean, in terms of precedence, um, this is his, he won the Tour de France last year, Pogachar. I was looking at Eno in 79 his second tour, he won that by 13 minutes, he won seven stages, he was he crushed everybody. And I think, you know, for all the, and I can see already the skepticism about Pogacar's performance today, which is natural enough, um, but there are two things, Pogacar is is clearly a supreme talent, um, a once in a generation talent, also a lot of his rivals have have crashed and are if Pogachar is, is half percent better than everybody else, and that's kind of all you need at this level, his rivals are all losing several percent because of their crashes. And yeah. it's not just the injuries. We spoke, heard from Mark Hirsch yesterday about how you struggle to sleep, and you, if you can't sleep, you can't recover. You look at Eno's record, you know, I mean, Eno is in, in many ways, for me, the, the benchmark. And he rode his first Grand Tour in '78, he was first. In the Vuelta, he was first in the Tour in 78... These are all the Grand Tours he rode First in the Vuelta, 78 First in the Tour, 78 First in the Tour, 79 First in the Giro, 1980 Didn't finish the Tour, in 1980 First in the Tour in 81 First in the Giro, in 82 First in the Tour, in 82 First in the Vuelta, in 83 Second in the Tour, in 84 First in the Giro, in 85 First in the Tour, in 85 And Second in the Tour, in 86 that was Bernardino in Grand
2: Tours. Yeah, I, I think that, that obviously from what we've seen today, and whatever the 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 future lies in the future. Uh, yeah, Pogacar has, has made the same kind of impression as you know uh, a rider of the of this caliber of of, of Inu. and 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 what what's and what's left now. Uh, you, you were mentioning the weakness of his team, uh, Kate. For, for now, it doesn't matter. in in the fu- In the future. In the future, yes, it'll be better surrounded. But what what will be the use of 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 a team around him in the future? It's just safety to avoid in case of a problem. Someone who's who's there to to give his bike away, or you know, this is the kind of of help he will need. But 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 apart from that, we so and and where the comparison with with you know another, greats of the past stands is that. I mean, he it, it He it, it really crushed the time trial. It, so, it, so it, I mean, if everything goes according to plan, he will again dominate the last time trial uh, in Saint Emilion, and 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 in the mountain is is peerless. I, I've rarely seen uh, two flat levels, you know, of of. of I mean, the, once again, since well, Armstrong. D- w- y- Armstrong was usually yeah crushing. Well, there was always Ulrich or there was always someone. Yeah. Uh, the last time we had and and, and I agree with uh, Richard on that. the Last time we had su- such uh, uh, an easy tour. I mean, if 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 it is an easy tour, we never know. We don't know for, for now. Uh, we'll see tomorrow. We'll, we'll know more tomorrow. But what was was Nibali in 2014? Because he he finally won uh, with seven I think 7:37 uh, from uh, Jean-Christophe Perrault. And and um, but but one of the reasons was that, that his, his his main rivals you know uh, also crash. crash. So uh, we're we're in that kind of position. Maybe uh, we, we have you know the view we have and the view ha- I have is distorted by the fact that this morning, I mean w- when the race started, and and this is something we've we've already forgotten, but before the first climb, before the fr- and it was a third category climb, already Garen Thomas and 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 and, and Primo were were out of it you know uh, so I mean they were probably the ones uh, among the, the ones who, who had the chance to stand up to uh, um, to Pogacar and and without these guys n- now it's, yeah, exactly. it's kind of a free ride for, for yeah. Pogacar
4: yeah it sometimes feels to me that like Roglic is the only one who can take on Pogacar as an individual whereas Thomas has a team behind him that was supposed to be you know this four prongs or whatever GC attack and now, like Richard said, it's a chopstick.
3: It's a bit of a broken chopstick. I mean, Carapaz looks so. I mean, he always looks dynamic. He looked. He looked. It was. It was encouraging yesterday that he was so prepared to take the race to Pogacar and attack him. But today, he was the only guy to respond when Pog attacked. But. Pog broke him. He just broke him. And, and Carapaz is yeah. one of the best climbers in the world. And he, he then lost another three and a half minutes. And he yeah, could we, well we, have lost more.
2: We, we're in a heavyweight boxing world championship situation. Yeah. Where, where uh, you know, where Pogacar is kind of, you know, Ali or Mike Tyson. And and, and we're really looking forward to, uh, you know, to, to the, the big... Showdown with with Egan Bernal because if somebody now you know seen from different perspective out of the tour, if if there is someone in, and we're really looking forward to that confrontation in the Grand Tour, a top form Egan Bernal against a top form uh, Tadi re- Pogacar. Remco,
3: are you listening?
2: Well, um, I mean, re- 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 rem- is Remco is not is not is not today's man; he's, he's probably tomorrow's guy. Yeah, but,
3: but the, you know, we uh, should should we be down about that? I mean, you you mentioned Muhammad Ali and the greats and you know we we you know celebrate eno and marks and Onkatil and copy and injuring less so maybe but i lived through the injuring years and i find them pretty boring that's on the one hand on the other hand um you know Pogachar is not that sort of rider he's he is an attacking rider Um we should be celebrating that fact. Also, there is an awful lot more to fight for in this tour. The, the podium, the, the King of the Mountains, the stages, the green jersey. There's an awful lot else going on in this tour. And we can be guilty, and we are guilty, and we've been told this um, by people uh, before. We can be guilty of focusing too much on one aspect of the race, which is the yellow jersey, which is obviously the most important aspect of the race, but it's not the only one.
2: Well, you know, in a football match, okay, you can you can you can write lots of stuff about the red cards and the, and the, and the goals and the and the missed penalties, but what matters at the end of the day is who won the game. I think
4: it's worth also talking a little bit about the disposition of Tadej Pogacar and who he is as a person, rather than just like as a champion, because you know you know he's fatal on the bike, like he's a killer on the bike, but his disposition is like this really serene and kind of gentle guy uh, who can be kind of a little bit of a clown and as we saw yesterday when he photobombed Matej Mohorich during his TV interview uh, he's really just like a kid you know and it's this is a very different dynamic than you know Indurain or like Eddie Merckx this he's so young and he has so much time to really develop like a personality that we come to know. That I think it's it's just a, it's just interesting to me because I think he he kind of does remind me of Merck's and the way that he talks to reporters. He's really this calm, serene guy.
2: Kate, I thought you'd only gone back to 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, no. And, and and let's 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 not forget that um, first copy won his first gi- uh, his first zero. Uh, at, at the same age as Pogacar I mean, it's, I mean, you know, phenomenons. I say, like, oh, how come these young guys win so early? I mean, it's happened in the past, and Eno. I mean, Eno yeah. was kind of held back. Uh, yeah. I- yeah, he was held back at the start, and Mer- Merce as well could have won before. But I mean, these guys. That that was the trend of the times. You know, uh, hold these guys back so that they might. In the rain is even worse. He he rode six Tours the tour de France before winning it one, but but I mean he won the Tour de l'Avenir in 1985, uh, in 1986. Uh, I mean he could have probably, in in different times, have have, have won a, a Grand Tour before he did. But
6: yeah.
3: Shoot! Shoot at the rear peloton. Cycling podcast team car at the back of the
6: pack, please. That's said, PK, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind us to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Packed Coffee often at the Tour de France there's a bit of grumbling about the quality of coffee available and admittedly in comparison to Italy France does lag a bit behind. Uh, Francois may disagree but I think a lot of people uh, do feel that although I must say I do enjoy an authentic breakfast bowl of coffee in France when I can get one. I think one of the reasons that expectations are so high these days is because it's now possible to make really great coffee at home and that's certainly the case with packed coffee who supply award-winning beans or ground coffee roasted and delivered straight to your door so you can make a really great cup of coffee at home. Pact sources the world's best beans and they pay the farmers 55% above the fair trade base price which ensures the farmers are making a profit to reinvest into their farms and I think that shows in the product. Packed coffee is delivered to your door in these letterbox friendly packages. And if you subscribe, rest assured, you're not gonna have beans piling up faster than you can use them because you can tailor your deliveries to suit you, choosing when you want a delivery, uh, how often, and whether you want uh, beans, uh, ground coffee, or even pods, regular or decaf. And there's a whole menu of different styles of beans to choose from. I've been using a bag of the bourbon cream espresso beans in my bean to cup machine at home. They arrived fresh and strong and they've made uh, delicious cups of coffee whether we've gone for espresso or a nice afternoon cappuccino so sip amazing coffee and feel good about the fact that you're helping to transform the coffee industry inside out pact will help you get started with five pounds off your first bag go to packedcoffee.com that's p-a-c-t coffee.com choose your flexible coffee plan enter the code cyclepod at the checkout and get your speciality coffee delivered through your letterbox. Go to packedcoffee.com and create your coffee plan today. The code CYCLEPOD is valid when you create a packed coffee plan, but it's only valid for new customers.
3: A little reminder that on Monday on the rest day we'll be doing our now traditional press conference episode. If you have a, a question for us, um, it'll be myself, Francois and Kate just the day before Lionel uh, joins us out here in France in Valence, he's coming then email us contact at com with a, an audio clip with your question we've had quite a few already and we look forward to receiving more um, Dylan Toons we should um, acknowledge I mean having capitalised on his name uh, to open this episode uh, we really should acknowledge his stage win and the way that his team uh, has refocused on trying to win stages and other goals after losing their leader Jack Hay. we're going to hear from their team principal um Rolf Aldag, a little bit later on, or in a moment or two, but a very well taken win by him. He won at La Planche de Belfi a couple of years ago as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, we 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 know we know what he's capable of. I mean, he is he, one of the gifted ones of, 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 of in that you know Belgian. Uh, generation of the Jasper Stuyvens, uh, Tim Wellens. I mean, all uh, you know, th- th- there are quite quite a few, all very gifted. And and Tunes, yeah, he-, he likes this kind of. Uh, l- let's face it, Grand Bornand is not the hardest uh, you know cl- climb to get to, even like Colombia uh, And 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 th- this is the kind of stages he likes. He- he, as you said, he won at the Planche Bel Oddly enough, when he, when he won at Planger Belfi he decided to get married there, you know, uh, <laughs> for his marriage, to celebrate his win. And today there was another, uh, unfortunately, not a celebration, but I mean, uh, his, his granddad uh, died shortly before the tour and uh, he didn't have the time to to, to, to go and, and, and visit his family to, uh, you know, to, well to honor. Uh, the memory of his granddad but we did today in 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 brilliant fashion and as you said bearing victorious i mean when they changed their, you know, sponsor name and became Baron Victorious, you, you, you. Well, the, the cynical in me tended to think, ah, 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 you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't call a team it's like this. It's become a self-fulfilling Bec- prophecy yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Because if you do and you don't win, and but they do win, and, and, and you wait, they'll all be called that <laughs> next year. It'll be Ineos wins,
3: or uh, it'll be uh, I don't know UAE triumphant. Or, or something because yeah, it's yeah. kind of worked for them, isn't it? And, and,
2: and Padun is not even we don't, there. We don't <laughs> even
3: find we don't even find that silly saying it anymore. Well, um, Mark Padun is missing, and I'm I'm sorry he's not here because he's Ukrainian, of course. And I could have done with a Ukrainian ally <laughs> okay. uh, before tonight's big football match.
4: I'm like sort of Ukrainian. My mom's side of the family is from that part of the world, so you got me, Richard.
3: Oh, thanks, Kate. I knew I knew I liked you. Uh, let's <laughs> hear from Rolf Aldag, team principal at uh, Bahrain Victorious. Uh, well, interesting stuff from Rolf about how the team has um, kind of just responded here as they did at the Giro when they lost Mikel Landa early on and, uh, and also I thought it was quite interesting on Jack Haig their leader who's gone home and this was the first grand tour that he'd led a team into Two stage wins in two days, I mean you started out with Jack Haig as the leader, lost him but you seem to have adjusted very
7: successfully Uh, uh, It seems to be a little bit copy and paste from the Giro. It seems to be like necessary to lose the leader and then kind of like buy into plan B and get the guys kind of like this is just that mentality of like, okay, we had been uh, hit really hard, but we're not defeated yet. So we fight back. And I think that was good to see by saying that, of course, change a little bit the objective so we can do things like this yesterday and today, go all in like there's no tomorrow. Like, you know, like, I mean, for us, it's a little bit to say, okay. we will be dropped tomorrow, so it will be, but we keep on fighting. We just go on a day-to-day base. And while polls as well, I mean, was that the plan today to have those two being very aggressive? Yeah, the whole team. I mean, there was a moment with like 65 guys in the front and literally, um, I think all of us remaining uh, remaining guys in there. And the whole theory was like, we just look forward, never look back. So it doesn't matter who's behind. We just look to the front. We just keep on going, going. Pretty risky strategy. I mean, vowed. Was a key to his success, uh, you know, with with putting the bunch always under pressure. There was never a moment that they could back off, release, because with his 40 seconds a minute and everything, of course, we were hoping like a group of maybe eight, nine would bridge with another one from us, and uh, you know, but that didn't happen so early. So he just kept on going, and it was pretty brave from him, kind of like sacrificed himself, of course.
3: There might be more interest in the stages now, in the stage wins than than GC, given.
7: Uh, the performance today of Pogacar have you ever seen a performance like that well I haven't seen it I've just seen the black lines on the road when he accelerated when he lost a tire of <laughs> rubber on the road um, now it's pretty impressive and you know people were doubting if the team is good enough the way it looks right now I'd say he doesn't even need to have a have a strong team but in any case tour is so interesting I find because it seems to be like a lot of bad luck of course you know like sorry for for Roglic and and Jumbo Visma like you know they came here definitely with a different plan but what it actually does is it makes the race completely open so attacking is a strategy
3: you think there's still hope then there's still uh, some hope for the race that um, Pogacar might be uh, might be if not vulnerable then it's not you know with two weeks to go it's not it's not an absolute certainty that he will win
7: well you know rule number one is to win the Tours you, you have to make it to Paris So, you know, that's the first thing. You've seen the weather condition today. You see how filthy that is, you know, like there will be more stages to come that are really, really hard. One hunger flat and everything can happen. So if I would be second in GC, I definitely wouldn't give up and settle in. But of course, if he just stays riding the way he's riding right now, then nobody can challenge him. And if we consider his age, then he's probably gonna be the same story for the next 10 years.
3: Finally, Rolf, how's Jack Haig?
7: Well, he had surgery, he's back home, and I think, you know, he will look for new goals. We know Jack, and and I think for me the most important thing was really the first four days, how he showed leadership, how he convinced people supporting him, because a guy who did not prove yet to be a GC rider, because he always used to help the Yates brothers or somebody else, it's not easy to say, well, you know, he's GC and and everybody uh, suffers and takes physical pain for him. But he managed to get that done in the first days by, you know, leading by uh, by presence, leading by a good example. And I think that's something he can be really, really proud of and we can build on. And that's so important to say, you know, like you just, you just cannot point out a GC leader, just make him GC leader by decision of the team. He has to be a natural leader. And that's something that, that was pretty impressive that Jack showed in the first days. Um, and you have seen his disappointment. And that's part of, the emotions that is so positive about him that he wants to get things done that he's just not like a guy who says oh, I don't care he's not, never ever this I don't care guy and, uh, and that makes him such a great bike rider so he will uh, heal fast he will be back on the bike and he will define new goals and I think he deserves our support you know
0: 100% Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France Science in Sport Fuel by Science.
3: Thank you very much indeed to Science & Sport, our sponsor, um, and we're very grateful to them for their support since 2016. If you want 25% off all your Science & Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and at the checkout enter the code SISCP25. Tomorrow is Sunday of course, and that means our Super Sunday competition in conjunction with Science & Sport. If you would like to be in with a chance of winning £80 worth of products, you can still enter to guess the winner of tomorrow's stage. Um, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and you can find out there how to enter. Francois, it's time for a bit of a bit of culture, but we should mention that we stayed, as we heard last night, um, at uh, Chris Anstey and his uh, wife Tamsin's house, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was a beautiful place. Um, and we had a delicious meal of the most perfect steak. I mean, it was absolutely wonderful.
4: It was a beautiful steak.
2: Yep, yeah, it was indeed. We were in Charol, the French capital of beef, so, and it was up to the uh, yeah to the standard you would expect. Uh, I, I was a little bit worried about you know the, the way it would be cooked because you know usually. Uh, well, let's say, you know, Britons don't know how to cook. Oh, but they're Francophiles. Yeah, so. I mean, they, they've been there for uh, six years. Absolutely. And they, they run a, you can go and stay
3: <laughs> there if you like. Um, and uh, it's a, a highly recommended. Uh, yeah, it Chris is, uh, and Tamsin are friends of the podcast, very good friends of the podcast. And um, they. Uh, they invited us to come and stay with them, which was yes. very much appreciated. So thank you yeah, very it much was indeed. Perfect,
2: the beef was perfectly Seigneur, and and, and 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 Thompson, you know, the landlady he, uh, has the same taste as me. Uh, you, you know, I, I know you all struggle between the rare Seigneur, uh, A Point, Bleu, and uh, and Thompson likes it the same as I do between A uh, between and A Point. Well done, black incinerated. No Anyway, it's time, well, let, let's, well, we, we're not going to, f- to, you know, forget about beef or forget about cows because we're, we're now in the, in the Alps. We left, you know, it went very quickly, but we, we left the uh, kind of center of France. Uh, we, we left the uh, kingdoms of goat cheese to get into the really, the, you know, the strongholds of cow cheese. And, and the Grand Bornon is actually the capital of... I mean, if you've been skiing, if you've been to the Alps, you've eaten Roblochon, you know how creamy it is, how tasty it is, how fruity it is. And since uh, 1795, which is quite a long way away, there's been a, a market, a Roblochon market in Le Grand Bornand every Wednesday. So if you happen to be in the area on a Wednesday, don't miss it. There are actually two, two kinds of, uh, of uh, Roblochon, the ones that are made exclusively uh, from all row uh, cow 's milk and, um, and and the other one can come from different farms so to 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 find the the real kind of monocepage as we say for wine uh, you 've got a green stamp on them, and if you have a red stamp on them, it comes from several herds um, anyways the um, Roblochon was, was actually a, a kind of very what uh, was not so well known it was kind of reserved for the locals for many years, but with with the the surge of the of, of you know, skiing and winter sports and winter holidays in the 1950s, 1960s, you know Parisians and even even Britons and lo- lots of uh, other other people came to France to ski. They discovered Roblochon and it's it really become one of the uh, one of the uh, favorite cheese, cheeses cheeses uh, made in France. There we are. This was for the the cheese of the day. The, the word of the day. If you um, if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, pick the word Alp. Because we we are in the Alps, and uh, Alp is also a, a common noun. It's not only the, the, the name of the mountains we're going around. An, an Alp is actually a pasture. You know, it's the place where in the in the in the, where we, you send cattle in the, up in the mountains. I mean, they they, they uh, in the winter they live in the valley in barns, and when comes you know, when comes spring and summer. You you, you, re- you you kind of release free the, the herd and the cattle and they, they'll go up the mountains in, in 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 those pastures that are called Alps so th- there are so many Alps around the Alps that that they actually these these small places these kind of valleys up in the mountains where where actually you know cows and and, and sheep and you know all sort of cattle graze became uh, you know, gave their names to, 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 to the massif. So that's why you have L'Alpe d'Huez, Les Deux Alpes, all these Alps. we have all over the place. It has, It's actually originally, uh, um, uh, well, yeah, a, a simple noun to, to, to describe the places where where the cattle were, was sent. Uh, do you know where Pyrenees comes from? Can I ask a question about that? Um, I'll, I'll get my, but. It's l'Alp Dues.
3: Is mm-hmm. is it therefore there for wrong? Is, is would it be correct to say the Alp Dues rather than just Alp dues?
2: Yeah, it would. No, I think you should say you should actually. If you stuck to to the, to the way normally uh, uh, English. You know, uses foreign names, you should call it L'Alpe d'Huez because, because the, artic, the, the article Le, yeah. uh, is part of the name. Yes. Like, like like you say Le Havre, you're not saying Havre. So yeah, if you yeah, say yeah. Le Havre, you should say L'Alpe d'Huez. L'Alpe d'Huez. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't call it Alp d'Huez. No, we and should you call should, it L'Alpe d'Huez. Uh, you should call it L'Alpe d'Huez. Absolutely. Where does Pyrenees Pyrenees come from? Well, it's very strange because nobody knows. Uh, <laughs> no, really. <laughs> I mean, question. I mean, they, you know, you know, you, you had all sort of Celtic tribes and uh, and and uh, all sort of different people and and well, and and the Basque is a, is a language. Uh, not many people ca- really know where it comes from. Basque has links with Finnish and and other uh, languages in Europe. Uh, so and. Nobody knows w- whether the the, 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 the the mountains down there were, were called Pyrenees or anything looking like Pyrenees before. So so actually a legend was created to, to find a, 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 an etymology to the uh, to the Pyrenees. And what they found was uh, uh, you, kn- you know you know you know uh, Hercules he, he had many wives and he was kind of a womanizer. And one of, one of the women he he, he kind of uh, seduced uh, in his prime was called Pyrene. And and one day this is juicy. Uh, yeah and one day he left Perine yeah, and he said okay well you know uh, to 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 go on to another woman and and she was she was so sad that she 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 went she got lost in the in the forest and 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 uh, had a kind of strange affair with a snake but and, and in the end uh Hercules and and then she died and Hercules was so. F- Hercules was so and she died. yeah. Was so well, you know. At the time, it was rough times, even worse than the <laughs> telephones. And, and and Hercules was so sad, you know. He, he had caused the death of Pyrene. All all this is, of course, total total bullshit. But never mind. <laughs> that that he was he was so sad that Pyrrhus died that that he built he, he built a, a mausoleum for her, and the mausoleum was the Pyrenees. Kate really perked up there at the, uh, at the Hercules story.
3: It d- distracted her from her, her, her argument that she's having about Roglic. But <laughs> she's back. She's back with us. Anyway, um, listen. We uh, we should uh, we should uh, go and have dinner here. But we should also mention that today we went and had a fabulous lunch as well at the Lauberge du Perbis on the shores of Lake Annecy. Um, Chef Jean Soupice, uh welcomed us there. But we were there to meet the sommelier a former professional bike rider, recently retired, who will be the subject of our Come to Zero on Monday. And it was a wonderful experience. It's a, a two Michelin star restaurant. I mean, you know, kind of normal for us to go and have lunch in a place <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, not, not at all. Um, and uh, oh, it, it was extraordinary. The 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 dish we were served was phenomenal. I will post pictures of it on Monday when the episode comes out. And... Um, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, wasn't it, Kate?
4: It was beautiful. It was like the most beautiful salad and sandwich I've ever had in my life.
3: <laughs> well, salad and sandwich makes it yeah, sound... It, it
4: was really an art piece that was, you know, if you had to pin our humble vocabulary on this culinary phenomenon, which we digested, I would say that technically speaking, it was a salad and sandwich.
2: But to be honest, the day before was. on the on the motorway at a service station, yes. I, I I had a sandwich, a, a chicken sandwich with all the same ingredients as we had today. <laughs> but for some strange reason, it didn't taste the same at all. Yeah,
3: I mean, it looked almost <laughs> too good to eat, but, but not quite. I, I mean, you had to eat it and it was absolutely delicious. So that will be, a, I think, a really interesting episode of Kilometer Zero on Monday. Um, listen out for that. We take the weekend off with Kilometer Zero, of course. Um, but it'll be back on Monday, Monday to Friday, that's all for uh, us tonight, no, no song to play out with tonight because you did it at the start, but maybe we'll hear um, as we play out some uh, some of the, well you had a few goes at, um, at the Dylan song earlier, so let's, let's hear a bit more of it because it was so enjoyable, I was sitting here being treated to this wonderful performance as was everybody else in this bar. They were heads were turning well, so never mind a uh, hard so rain falling heads were
2: a turning yeah so so let's wait for a Dylan Van Bar win <laughs> later <laughs> in the tour <laughs>
4: wait are we are we going to have an accompaniment or no?
2: Uh, no there's no accompaniment okay. you have to do it a right, cappella right.
4: oh where have you been
1: my blue eyed son oh where have you been my darling young I've stumbled on the side of 12 misty mountains. I've walked and I've crawled on six crooked highways. I've stepped in the middle of seven sad forests. I've been out in front of a dozen dead oceans. I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard. And it's
2: a it's hard, and it's a hard, and it's a hard, and
1: it's a hard, a it's a hard, a hard, a hard, Oh, hard, a hard, you hard, a hard, a hard, a you a hard, a hard, a Oh, what did, did you see, see my darling, darling young one? Sorry, I can't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just sing the lead straight. Yeah. We'll do it again. <laughs> the, don't don't care I about me. Yeah, let, let's, let's do it from me. scratch. Yeah. <laughs> or you want? Or you want it? Or you want to do the the opposite?
4: No, it's hard to hear. It's hard to. To think about
2: it. Because <laughs> you're not used to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. I, I'm used to, to, to sing the second pun so. Yeah,
4: okay, let's, uh, let's do the second verse. Later,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, sing it straight, you know, and yeah. I'll and, and I get in.
1: Oh, what did you see, my blue-eyed son? Oh, what did you see, my darling young one? I saw a newborn baby with wild wolves all around it. I saw a highway of diamonds with nobody on it. I saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping. I saw a room full of men with the hammers bleeding. I saw a ladder all covered with water. I saw 10,000 talkers whose tongues were all broken. I saw guns and sharp swords in the hands of young, hands of young children, children. And, and it's a hard, and it's a hard, and it's a hard, and, and it's a hard, and it's a hard It's, a heart. And it's a heart. gonna, gonna fall.